Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to Bischoff and Brown. That's Scott Bischoff. I'm Russ Brown. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Scott, my man, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We got to talk a little pre-show. You were at the Lions game, the win, 33-28, for the Lions to move to 9-3. and uh, this win was over New Orleans. Hopefully, uh, some of our Lions faithful that join us in the comments every week and subscribe to the show, which you can do at Detroit Lions Podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. But you were there. Um, you told me a little bit about it, but for the listeners out there, I mean, how was the trip? How was the game? Uh, anything that really stood out to you uh, from that standpoint, just being in the in the crowd? It was pretty awesome. Um, Kent? It was nice to meet you down there. Um, it, it it's always cool to go somewhere else to see them play or see you know you know anywhere else to see see a team that you follow play. But this was a little different because there were so many Lions fans there, and and I don't know how many exactly there was, but um, Mickey Loomis, the GM for the Saints, seemed to have seemed to kind of bitch about it a little, little bit that he was upset that. Um, so many season ticket holders would sell their tickets to, you know, on the secondary market. And obviously it was full of Lions fans, but the lower section, uh, at least from where we were sitting, it looked well more than, you know, well over half of the fans in the lower section. It was blue. Right. Yeah. And so I guess a touch of an illusion there, their seats are blue. So it's hard to know, but I mean, there were Lions fans everywhere over the weekend and uh, <clears throat> it was loud in there. When the Lions came out, it was just as loud as, as it was when the Saints came out. So, I, you know, I would say, while I don't think it was close to being like 50-50, it was probably, you know, pretty close. Yeah. You know, but it, but there were there were enough Lions fans that you, you definitely were not alone, and it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was cool. Uh, obviously, you know, the beginning of the game was nuts because of the, of the way it started. Right. And then... It all kind of dried up very quickly um, after they jumped out to that lead. But it was a really cool experience. Uh, uh, definitely a great city to get to if, if you got a chance to get down there. Eat the uh, eat the beignets from Cafe Dumont. Trust me. Trust me on that one. 
Yeah, you were yeah. just bragging about them. I think uh, I think if anybody goes down there, definitely check it out because oh, it, sounds like, it sounds delicious. And um, I, I don't know, I don't know how far New Orleans is from Mobile, but I, I it's might like have a two to, hour drive. But do it. Yeah, I, I might have to do that. Like I think I have a day buffer there when I get there uh, for the Senior Bowl this year. So maybe I'll maybe I'll take a look and see if we can we can manage that, or if I can find something close, you know, down there in Mobile that's maybe got that, but. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and Jared Goff even kind of alluded to the crowd and how well we travel. I don't remember who he was talking to, which player, but he had basically stated, maybe it was Teddy Bridgewater or Mark Brunel, but um, he had stated that like the crowd, the, the way that the crowd goes to these games to support the Lions is just ridiculous. And it's awesome to see because he's like, I've never seen anything like this. And he goes, that was the loudest it's been so far this year on the road for our fan base. So I, I think it's only going to continue. I, I can only imagine what it's going to be like if it if it came down to the game in Minnesota or something for the division. Yeah, uh, for sure. And you know, the other thing that was really cool about it was you could wear your, you know, like you know, my sixteen year old was wearing his Lions stuff, and it's like, well, you know, hostile city. You know, no, none of that. Not even not even one time was there any rec- like any any uh, like hostility about it all. It was just yeah. It was pretty much more like, yeah, you guys got a good team this year. I think you guys are going to win, kind of thing. And you know, um, but it just, yeah, it was a, it was a really cool experience to be there and to watch that game play out the way it did. It was a really interesting, stressful game, sort of at the end that I didn't think needed to be, um, but it was. You know, there was a point I thought they were in trouble. Yeah, uh, mid at the midway point, maybe of the fourth quarter, maybe just before, maybe at the end of the third quarter, I thought. You know, they, they weren't moving the ball and, um, you know, so, you know, interesting, interesting stuff. It's always, you know, this from being around, uh, it's always different to be there watching things in person. It is so different than watching it on TV. And, and I don't know how much they showed, uh, of things that happened in the game on TV, but there was a lot, there's a lot that was going on in that game. A lot of, um, who was it? Uh, one of the Lions uh, coverage players, every single, every kick, every kick and every punt was pushing and shoving. And, you know, maybe even a little more than that with, with somebody on the Saints and Jamal Williams was doing some pushing and shoving. Uh, he, he's obviously got some issues with some of the players, you know, on Detroit. Yeah. He and Brian Branch went at it at midfield at one point. Um, I was surprised the, the, the officials allowed things to go the way they did, but uh, it was it was a cool experience. Um, lots to talk about though from it. So I don't. So maybe we can condense a little bit of. You could. Uh, do you want to talk about defense and, I'll, and I can hit offense just a touch or. Yeah. No. We'll definitely get into to all of it. Um, I, I did want to start with with. I think maybe the big topic because it feels like as good as this offense is, it kind of feels like it gets stuck up in in kind of key spots in the game, like whether it's in the second quarter or right out of the half, it just feels like they can't really get out of their own way and drives kind of stall out. And I think part of that is because of Jared Goff. And you you kind of texted me this, I can't remember if it was Monday morning or Sunday night after the game or something, but kind of talking about Jared Goff really sticking with that initial read, um, not always going through his reads or progressions the right way. Um, and really just see, like once he sees his guy, he's he's on it and that's his guy. And he, he's either forcing the football um, and we've talked about maybe his hand and um, 
you know, Mike, yeah. Mike Payton from A to Z Sports, who writes for the Lions, he brought that up um, in an article the other day. And I think it's worth having that conversation. But just from your kind of, you know, uh, perspective at the at the game, do you, I mean, allude a little bit or go into more detail on that, I guess, as far well, as your golf. I don't know that it's a progression thing. I think that there are, um, it's it's complicated, but it's not. So things look good for for him. And, you know, we've talked about his, he has to trust his receivers, right? We've talked about that. But I think it, it leaks down and it filters down to his O-line too because he he is a totally different player with when uh, when Ragnall goes out and so- and Colby Soresdale comes in at right guard and Glasgow kicks over to center, Goff is a totally different dude. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he just doesn't trust um, his line to protect him. So there's an element of um, his demeanor is different. Um, his decision-making is, is different. He It doesn't look like he's either going through progressions or is stuck. Um, and likely, I would say more than likely, um, there's a really strong chance that he is, he is predetermining where he's going to throw the ball based on what pre-snap looks there are and not, and there's no consideration. I shouldn't say it this way because it sounds bad. Um, but there isn't much consideration as to what the coverage does post-snap. So... That's always super dangerous when, you know, let's say there was a, there's a specific play where they ran Gibbs in motion and um, I want to say they sl- they slit the protection to the right. Gibbs goes in motion, goes goes in front of, uh, of Goff, and then they throw this screen pass to him like, you know, four or five yards behind the line of scrimmage. And if, if Goff is really looking, there is no way he should throw this ball because I think the defensive end could have picked this pass off. Yep. If if he was really paying attention or if he was looking at golf, but he was looking at Gibbs and it ended up being like a five or a six yard loss. Yep. But it's like there's no way you can make you can't make that throw. Yep. And just to be so stuck on it that that's where I'm throwing the ball. Or there were a, this is so this is more I was probably feeling a little salty about this when I texted you. So there were a couple of times where um Goff, they threw short of the sticks a ton in this game. Yeah. And he threw like a, you know, a short slant when if he stays right there, Jamison Williams is is like running open and it's the same kind of depth throw. And if he hits, if he hits Jamison Williams, he scores because it's that, you know, 10 yard drag where nobody can stay with him. Yeah. And there were multiple times, there was multiple situations where that, that could have been an easy pitch and catch in a touchdown kind of a thing. And it's like he turned it down. Right. And I, I mean, that's always, that's always kind of a problem too. Of when you're, when your quarterback is turning down open guys, problematic. He had Gibbs running uh, on a wheel. I think it was a wheel route on the sideline. He was open by a couple, maybe two steps. And he, he looked at him and he turned it down and it's like, I don't know, man. Um, yeah, no, so that's, that I saw live. That's I mean, there's there's a golf problem now. I understand that we're we probably shouldn't be talking about golf because people get bent out of shape when when we do this. But yeah, I think we, I think it's something that you know uh, when these games get a little more 
important as the season wears on, he needs to be he needs to play better than than um, he did at times in the, in this game. And I know he had good numbers and that stuff, and they won, so it's cool. They're nine and three. Let's ex- yeah, we should embrace that they're nine and three and be super happy about it. But I think there's reason for a little bit of there's a reason to be spooked by uh, by this offense a little bit. Yep, there is. And, I, and going back to that play to Gibbs where it was like a loss of six, I, I actually have the play clipped. And if I could pull it up and share it and everything, I would. But I, I don't know if we're at that point yet in this show. But um, it's it's funny because he sticks to that play to Gibbs when over the middle of the field is a wide open St. Brown. St. Brown yeah. is wide open. And he yeah. had all day to set his feet and drive that throw. And instead... He stopped and turned and threw it to Gibbs. And like you mentioned, it could have been picked, um, but it was obviously a big gain or a, a big loss. And yeah, it's like, it's like turning down St. Brown there to me is very problematic. Yeah. And the fact that St. Brown, the St. Brown only had two catches in the game, which is fine, but his last reception was at the two minute mark in the second quarter. Like that's just mind blowing to me when he is one of the most consistent receivers in football and he wasn't creating a ton of separation. Alante Taylor did a great job with him. Alante Taylor's kind of turning into a stud. And at times, Paulson Adebo would jump on him. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I'm with you a little bit on this because I think Goff really starts to get into rhythm with a certain guy and he starts yeah. feeding that guy and forcing it to him. And that's what happened, I think, with Laporta here uh, because he had the historic day. I mean, for for him, it was a historic career day. Uh, nine receptions. He's ridiculous. Yeah, he, I mean, his he pacing and his routes, his ability to run after the catch, um, the, the catch on third down, like the, the pass to Reynolds was great, but the one before that on third down, I thought was even bigger because the pass was behind Laporta yeah. and he had to adjust and he had a safety, the single eye safety coming down on him. So, and I, I, dude, I was sitting in the stands like, like squeezing my cheeks, kind of thinking <laughs> like, we're in trouble, you yeah. know, like, ugh. so yeah, I mean, huge, huge reception there, but, um, Again, I, it's not that either of us are, we're not bitching about golf. It's just recognizing some of the limitations of the, of his play right now. And then projecting that forward, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do against Dallas? Right. You know, how are you going to handle pressure? You you know, let's, let's say they, whatever they, wherever they end up in the playoffs, um, there's pressure there. There's there's both physical and and uh, you know mental pressure there that you're going to have to play through. And yeah, I don't think New Orleans is very good on defense. They have a good offense, but like I don't think they do anything great on defense. And for him to be turning down open guys and you know leaving as much on the field as he did, and then, you know they didn't run it well. I don't think Montgomery had a real good day. Um, running the ball, he it's like he there were a couple of where you could see he he misread leverage and that kind of stuff. But um, interesting to be there and see it and to see some of what could have been. And I know it's easy to say that. So um, nine and three, it's awesome. What'd you see? What'd you see from their defense? I mean, we we talked about him before the show. Brian Branch, um, he's a stud. I mean, he yeah. was everywhere. Um, Bruce Irvin kind of provided a spark. It, it brought some speed. It felt like when teams would slide their protection over, uh, it, it allowed Aiden Hutchinson to get a little bit more pressure. He had seven yeah. pressures in this game. Um, almost had, I think, two or three sacks. 
Yeah. And uh, he again, did you see when the teams when teams slide away from Hutchinson, how that opens the the uh, opportunity for Irvin to to kick inside? Yep. That's about that's how he just about killed Carr. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, you need yeah. to loop around inside. Yeah, well, and, and and it's nice because it's you you now have that speed element that you didn't have before. You have the explosive element that you didn't have before. Like like Josh Pascal, cool, good player, um, but he's not as explosive. You know, Benito yeah. Jones is not going to be good. Know, he played good, and, and Pascal played great. And yeah. I'm glad he did because I wrote the the article on uh, Levi Ozarike and Josh Pascal, kind of. You know, those were those second round picks in the first two drafts here in Detroit, and they're not really working. And all of a sudden, Pascal has a great game. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, Brian Branch, and, and I and, and we won. We'll take it. 33-28. The Brian Branch tip, I think this kind of gets forgotten about because of just the touchdown that followed from it and how close this game was. But really, this could have been a nine-point game. I mean, it potentially yeah. could have been even, you know, maybe more, maybe like a 12-point a game because Brian Branch had that tip pass on third down that Olave just somehow caught, but yeah. Jerry Jacobs was in position to pick that ball off. I don't think he would have scored, but who knows? And even if he would have dropped it, okay, it's a field goal. Maybe it's fourth down. Do they go for it? Who knows? You know, but there's- Yeah, and I don't know. So it's interesting because I don't know where Branch came from there, but my, it's like, you know, how does he end up there? You know, and- just Athletic to play. It's yeah. just an athletic play. I mean, he just, yeah. he was kind of in that curl to flats- and Jerry Jacobs, I think I think they were running cover three, if I remember correctly. They inverted a safety down. And Jerry Jacobs had an outside third. Sutton had the other outside third. And uh, Brian Branch was just coming coming down playing curl to flats. And the ball was kind of hung up there. And he just yeah. made that play. But um, it was a lucky bounce for the Saints. And, you know, they got the lucky bounce. We got the lucky bounce on one of the, you know, first plays of uh, the Branch. Game. Yeah, yeah. With, with Brian Branch. So... Yeah, it's it's just great to see him back. They uh, as far as like putting him down in the box, it felt like against the Packers, he was covering the slot too much and away from the box. He was down in the box and they were blitzing him. Um, and he had a strong day. But um, moving aside from Bruce Irvin and, and Brian Branch and Aiden Hutchinson and even Josh Pascal, the, the 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 player that stepped up the most, I thought, was Jack Campbell by far to play in the middle to man that down and. To not miss a single tackle after having a tough week the week before just yeah. goes to show how much promise he has as a, as a young player in this league. And he's, I mean, he was intense, dude. He was slapping Hutch on the helmet, slapping the guy. The way he moves, like, so so fluid. Oh yeah, yeah. He and he covers so much ground. Um, he looked good. He really, you know, who looked really good was Jalen Reeves Mabin. He had a really good. Like, where did that come from? I don't. I have I'm I'm like who's this dude? And we're we're sitting 17 miles from the field, so I you know I couldn't I couldn't see number or I couldn't see names, and I'm blind right. as could be anyway. So it's like you know yeah. So I see the scoreboard. Oh, it's Jalen Reeves Maven. I really liked him when he was coming out, but um, he he looked good on coverages, and and I thought he played pretty good. But Campbell moves he moves really well. Um, it was. Interesting how New Orleans used Camara, and at moments how how willing the Lions were to give Camara five to seven yards over the middle of the field. Yeah, take it. Right, we're just gonna we're gonna kind of funnel everything into the middle and not give you anything to the outside. It was kind of it was it was interesting, but 
Um, it would drive me crazy to be a Saints fan with as much as they do, they do with Taysom Hill. Like, I think it just crushes their rhythm on offense. Mm-hmm. When every other possession or every third possession he comes in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and especially down in the red zone, you know, Kamara yeah. drives him down the field with a big, you know, 20 yard rush or whatever. He carries the load for 40 yards. And then all of a sudden you get inside the 20 and here comes Kalen Saunders and, and Taysom Hill. Well, geez, I wonder what it's going to be. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. And, and, it, and it worked like they were good. They were getting four or five yards of pop and they were, you know, they were kind of stuck. Derek Carr got hurt and the rhythm of the offense kind of went away, but yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 I'm just so intrigued that they, they one still have him. They still utilize him as much as they do. Um, and I'm with you on on the Kamara thing. I thought he was going to get out in space a little bit more, but that's kudos to like Jack Campbell. There was a couple where Campbell was right in the middle, just right, right in his hip pocket, and it's like, dude, this is one of the best, one of the more elusive pass yeah. catcher in the and good tackling too. Like, yeah, really good tackling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm I'm glad you brought up Reeves Maven because he had a field day on some of those punts and kickoffs and and things like that. Like he just flying around, and when this team needed to bring some pressure, they brought more five and six man pressures, which is something we've talked about for weeks here on this show. And they did it, and it worked. And it's like, yeah. okay, maybe they'll kind of stick with that, and and who knows, maybe in in a week or two, Gardner Johnson will come back and. And maybe they'll get back into the nickel and dime packages that we thought they would run in the summer and, and we couldn't yeah. get it because uh, Gardner Johnson got hurt. So yeah, yeah. But it's a great win. And if anybody's kind of hanging their head because they came out and scored 20, I mean, dude, they scored 14 points in like a minute and a half. I mean, <laughs> you you traveled to a a team that has a really good offense mm-hmm. and it's a, and it's a, you know, it's a tough place to win games. And you you buzzed out to a twenty one nothing lead, just like you know, it just it was nuts, and that's hard. Like you take your foot off the gas a, a touch there, and then sometimes it's it's hard to find that pedal again. But nine and three is nine and three, man. Like yeah. you know, uh, at this point in time, it for me, it's like you know, this whole thing's been awesome. Um, I uh, so <laughs> looking forward this week, I I. You know, this is a game I am expecting them to lose. Right. And um, I say that for a couple reasons. Obviously, the McNeil uh, injury is a huge loss. And it's kind of, it's hard to replace that. I think Ragnall is going to be out as well. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't expect them to be able to run the ball all that effectively against Chicago. It sounds like the weather is going to be kind of rough there. Um, on Sunday. So I don't think we're going to see Jared Goff's best. And then, you know, obviously, I mean, if the weather's rough, it's, I mean, it's going to impact fields and stuff too, but I just, it's one of the, it, it's, I just don't think it, it sits well for where the lions are from an injury standpoint um, and how they looked with, a, with the rookie playing at right guard and losing McNeil, and I, I think losing McNeil is that's lesser for this week because I think I think Fields is is more prone to having issues with edge pressure than he is, you know, um, pressure up the middle. But um, losing to Lee McNeil is a problem, and you know the Lions are going to suffer for it. But it just feels to me like this is one of those games where, you know, 
Chicago's a tough matchup for them. They have been for the for the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on this one coming up? Well, with Sorsdol, I'm intrigued with because there's so many times where like you'll watch him and there's a flash and you're like, man, there's there's some good there. And that was a really good down block. That was a good reach. He climbed, duo, whatever. And then you watch him the next two plays and he's got this bad forward lean and he lets the guy go right away and just kind of like gives up. And I'm just a little surprised that we haven't seen like Dan Skipper out there uh, a little bit more on the guard spot just for maybe yeah. a game in this pinch. Um, and maybe we will this week. So I would be intrigued with that. Uh, going to the Saints game with that first touchdown with Montgomery, they had nine players up front and only two skilled guys. Yes. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, that like, was nice. Yeah, I, I'm hoping we would we see something like that this week where they just try to play bully ball and maybe they, you know, they try to get that run game established and force everybody to come up and maybe Laporta or St. Brown or somebody kind of slips out into space and and that's how your passing game gets going because it sounds like it's going to be like 20 to 30 mile per hour wins, which is which is no joke. I mean, if you go back to like the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, there's a clip on ESPN of uh, San Francisco and Chicago on ESPN and Chris Berman's breaking it down. It's like a hundred mile per hour wind there. Um, so yeah, no, it's going to be an ugly game. And then that's, you know, this is, can, can golf drive the ball through the wind there? I, you know, the only thing there is like, you know, you you can go real short. You can go with a really short passing game and the lions are, they're set up there very nicely to do yeah. that. Um, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, you're right. The, the first touchdown they scored, they, they went super heavy and added gaps and Montgomery still, you know, walked into the end zone untouched. Yeah. So they, yeah. And every, they, they had everybody reach to the left and then yeah. all of a sudden pulled Jonah Jackson out in space and he just walked in and that's not going to happen at the 40 yard line or anything like that. But, you know, I don't know. I think that would just be an interesting way to maybe throw a wrinkle into the offense. Maybe we just see more heavy packages if if the weather is going to be a serious factor. Um, but, you know, you see like the pregame and you'll see all this rain and all of a sudden you watch the game and there's no rain and the field's perfect and it's like you're living in another world. So we'll kind of see what happens uh, from that perspective with the weather. But yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think this is going to be a tough one. And yeah. I just... I feel good about it because of who it is and because they've already had the close call. If Dan Campbell is who we think he is and if these coaches and if this team is what they what we think they are, uh, the, the close game, sure, it could be close, but they won't need, you know, two touchdowns in the final minutes of the game to to win this one. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to go back and forth a little bit and at some point they'll kind of, they'll stomp forward and take the lead and, and do what they have to do to close it out. We'll be pretty, probably not, but... If they could find a way to slow down Justin Fields some way, and maybe it takes, you know, Jack Campbell being the man in the middle and Aiden Hutchinson and Bruce Irvin playing more disciplined off the edge. So the zone read stuff yeah. uh, and the read option stuff doesn't hurt you as much. I think he'll be okay. Is, is, if the passing game is going to affect golf, I would have to assume it's going to affect Justin Fields yeah. and that offense as well. For sure. You know, this is going to be, this is an inflection point for their season. They're nine and three. You went on the road here to go to ten and three, and I think you situate your there's you, a situate yourself into a you know two seed positioning kind of feel yeah because you get it's Chicago you get Minnesota twice you get Denver and Dallas 
So, you know, um, just kind of looking ahead, like, you know, if you can beat Minnesota, you know, both times and you win this game, you're looking, you know, you're, you're, there's 12. Right. You know, so it just feels like this is a, this is such an important game for postseason stuff. And, you know, Chicago's a tough matchup, but it has been for the Lions for, for a while. Um, I just, I worry about missing rag now. Um, I don't know how long he's going to be out. I don't know exactly what's going on with him. Um, but McNeil out for, for four games sucks. And, uh, I, I mean, you've nailed it with, with the fields thing. If you can just limit him and make, make him hurt you as a passer, which is hard, you know, uh, if I, I mean, if I'm Chicago, I'm dialing up lots of design runs for him Mm -hmm. and I'm saying, you know, you guys stop him. And then when you, when you bring people up. We'll hit you over the top, kind of stuff. But if yeah. the weather thing, you know, that's that's a different story. But um, it it does make me wonder. But oh, I, I was just going to say, it makes me wonder. You know, we talked about JMO a little bit and how he's close, and if they kind of start giving him the football in space more, it's going to lead to more touchdowns. I wonder if this is one of those spots, like, hey, you run that deep over, and we're going to try to time this, and if the wind can maybe push this ball to you, or if it doesn't hold the pass back, hey, we're going to unleash you. And maybe maybe that's how they get a couple of quick scores or a couple of big gains. And, you know, they can run the football better than just about anybody. So, and, and I know I know Chicago, again, gives them fits. And, and they, yeah. they, they've got a good run defense, but... They do, but look at the, look like the reverse last yeah. week was filthy. Mm-hmm. You you know how far he jumped when he, when he jumped? He, ju- he took off from the four-yard line. Yeah. He landed like what four yards into the I mean, the end zone. like twenty four feet. Like, come on, you know MJ free throw line. <laughs> <laughs> but like he, uh, that kind of stuff. The hitting hitting him with short passes and letting him run that kind of stuff. We'll see what cold does for that cold and wind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would be. You know, uh, I know we're going to do a little prop bet kind of thing in the future here, but I would be playing, I would be looking at g- now uh, a game of him scoring more than once, like a, a him him and with two touchdowns. Yeah. Because they're so close. Yeah. You know, he could have easily had two easily last week. Um, there were multiple, there were, mul- I, I should say multiple, there were more than, there was more than two plays where where the, he had run, you know, the sh- the shallow crossers where Goff elected to throw short of the sticks and they still got first downs. It's cool. But if he just, if he leads Jamison out just a touch, he's scoring a 50-yard touchdown. Right. Couple there. Um, you know, that kind of stuff where you're going to need huge plays like that this week. I, I mean, I'm, I'm ex- really excited to watch this game because I do feel like this one is such an important one uh, and they will be going forward when they when if they win in their ten and three, the next one will be just as important, you know, yep. um, to sil- to solidify the the playoff stuff. But um, it's going to be an interesting game. I, I you know it was uh, I don't know if you saw any of the San Francisco Philly game on Sunday. Yep, but that was that was a fun one to watch. Just thinking about it from a from a Lions perspective, like all right. San Francisco punched Philly in the mouth pretty good in this yeah. game. And the yeah. Lions can do that on offense. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they can do that to Philly on offense. So it was interesting to see that. But you know, I'm, it's it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like because it was almost like a tale of two uh, halves in that game. Like the Lions looked so good coming out, and they made it look so easy. Like you know, Lions fans were celebrating five minutes into the first quarter, like right. the game was over. Right. <laughs> I thought it. I thought it was. It felt like they had. There was no chance. But it's like. There's a lot of, I mean, we're five, we're five and a half minutes into the first quarter and yes, they're up three touchdowns, but you know, it's so, it's so crazy, you know, to celebrate so soon. How else do you react though? It was nuts. Right. And then, you know, a couple of punts and then Ragnall gets hurt and game got tight. And and I think one thing too, that holds them back and, and maybe they'll start figuring this out as they start going on the road against a, you know, a team like Chicago when they go to Dallas, so on and so forth here to close out the, the last five games. Like Josh Reynolds, appreciate what he's done for the organization, not saying you got to let him go, but I don't need to see him going out there running crossing routes and catching the football anymore. Just, just pave that role to Jamison Williams and JMO should start digging into some of Josh Reynolds snaps and, that's just the way it needs to start happening. Like if this team is going to be legit, now you got to start playing your best 11 offensively. Like it's late in the year. You don't need to start rotating certain guys at, at the playmaker positions. And I understand they've got some playmakers. Like you get the ball to Khalif Raymond, anything can happen. And maybe this is a spot. Like maybe this is where they catch Chicago sleeping and they take a deep shot like we've seen them do against the Packers. You know, the, the deep shots to Khalif Raymond we've seen in the past. But I just thought watching film and watching the game, I'm like, it's cool seeing Josh Reynolds. Appreciate him. I know he's got some chemistry there with golf and everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and I get it. He's a cheap wide receiver for option, but like get get keep JMO on the field at all times with St. So that's kind of like the thing. It's like you know Goff totally trusts him. Right. So that's a thing. And yeah. Jamison has to kind of cross that threshold there. And I think he's earning a lot of this now where we're you know, maybe, maybe, you know, early, early in the year, he wasn't, but, mm-hmm. um, no, I'm with you. I mean, I, you know, you want to see some explosiveness and all that stuff. And, and, you know, I, I, I totally agree that I would prefer, <laughs> I would prefer them throw the ball to Jamison over, over, you know, Reynolds too. Um, but I wonder if that's a golf thing, like, you know, keeping him involved. I don't, you know, I mean, I the offense looks good. The offense, you know, it's still there. I think there are steps they can take to be a little more efficient. Um, but, you know, super exciting in, in some of like the Laporta touchdown. Um, the yeah. Brown touchdown, the, the Jamison touchdown. You know, I got a question on it um, as far as the offense. Is it a little odd that it, it kind of feels like David Montgomery's been great? He's a workhorse. I get why they utilize him. They commit to the run game to keep their offense moving i can i get it but isn't it 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 kind of feels like jameer gibbs was somewhat lost in this game like they just they didn't have a, a role for him in this game and maybe it's just because of the the bad six yard pass that we talked about um but like he had a run early in the game that set up the the montgomery touchdown and like his start stop ability and that initial contact like his ability to run through that is so good and it's such yeah. a difference compared to previous running backs that have played for this team. I'm just a little surprised that if it just feels like in maybe the last two weeks, Gibbs has been put to the backseat a little bit. Um, well, they're not throwing the ball to him much either. 
yeah, it just seems weird. I think they'll get back to that. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I mean he, there was a, he had a, a wheel, I think it was a wheel rod. I don't know for sure, but he was, uh, he was open running down the sidelines against, I think it was against the safety. And it was like, wow. If, I mean, you just, you just, you know, you throw that out and let him run underneath it. And it's an, it's a 70, 80 yard touchdown. Cause he, cause he he's just so quick, you know, mm-hmm. and he was open right away and yeah. golf saw and just, and just saying, you know, uh, but it does seem like it does seem like they have gone away from getting him the ball in the passing game, and I mean, it, I hope we all recognize that we're complaining that they have too many, too many, you know, dynamic weapons. I mean, think about it. They have Amon Ra, who's uncoverable. They have Laporta, who's setting records as a, as a rookie tight end. It's ridiculous what he's doing, and you know, D- David Montgomery's a workhorse. You have Gibbs. You have Jamison Williams. I, like, it's good. Yeah. It's good, man. They're nine and three. It's great. It's good. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And you know, watching Sam Laporta this week, I, I'm not a pro comp guy. We've been over this, but there are times that you watch him and the movement that he has. It. I'm sorry, folks. It's Travis Kelsey like. Like the way he moves, it's just different. And yeah. he did it at Iowa and he's doing it here. And it just makes you wonder like every couple, you know, every 10 years, there's a new tight end, Gronk, Kelsey, uh, Tony Gonzalez, so on and so forth. Well, it took Kelsey, uh, it took Kelsey a little time. You know what I mean? Like he, I mean, he, he, you know, he's a really good athlete and all that stuff, but Laporta is doing, Laporta is like, he is a dude, you know, like it's amazing. Um, how much he gives to that offense and how productive he's been as a tight end. And it's not just receiving either. He's a good blocker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dominant blocker, but he doesn't need to be right. He's a good blocker. So you throw in like, you know, he's a good blocker with all this receiving stuff. And it's like, he is, uh, that's a steal that, that pick right now looks like, and so if the, if the draft were to happen again, how early would he go? Man, I mean, thinking back, I'm just trying to think back to the draft. It, it almost feels Kincaid like the one before him. Who did? Kincaid in Buffalo. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think, I think Buffalo likes Dalton Kincaid a lot. And I could, yeah, I, they do. I could stand I, with that pick because I think Laporta would be potentially off the board. Like knowing what you know now, I just feel like the Lions might have taken him at 12 <laughs> or maybe at 18. Um, I think the Lions, knowing what they now know now, probably don't make that trade down to take him at six. Right? He opens up so much for for what they do. I'm just and, and the, the exercise of that thinking is just like what you stole there. Yeah. And and going forward, like how much he's going to offer them. Um, if you think about the the really elite offenses in the NFL, what do they all have in common? Tight end. Yeah. Like yeah. that guy, like yeah. the guy who who can gash teams up the seam and run after the catch, and can you know do the short yardage stuff, can help you as a blocker, but all that stuff. Yeah, and that's a great point on the tight end because it's like you look at Philly, their offense is still very good, very dynamic, and they have one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. But their offense has struggled the last two weeks because they lost Dallas Goddard. I mean. Yeah. 
that's a difference maker. And I'm not saying he's, you know, Travis Kelsey like, but he's a very good tight end. And you got to wonder with like a team like Baltimore, they lost Mark, Mark Andrews. What's that offense going to look like? I mean, yeah, I don't know. The the Lions are very fortunate with the the playmakers that they've had and really with this draft, um, because had it, had it not been a good draft and had this team been struggling, I think we would have maybe started hearing some mumblings as far as like, okay, do the Lions have the right guys with Holmes and Gamble? Yeah. And and you didn't need this immediate success the way that they're having it, but the fact that they are just goes to show that they've got the right dudes on the roster, the right dudes in the in the building making the decisions. It, it just it's a good feeling at nine and three with what they have. I mean, it really is. It is. I I mean I I sat back in the Superdome thinking, oh, we are in an alternate world. <laughs> you know, because like uh, four years ago, it felt like hopeless as a lion. Like, here we go again, you know? Yeah. Um, and here we are if just a few, what, three drafts later, and you have all these young players doing all these things, and it's just amazing. Uh, and it's, you know, we talked about it earlier. There's, you know, there are issues on offense with, with you know, you know, some O-line play. And if anything, you know, maybe that guides our, you know, some of our judgments as far as, you know, mock drafts and when it comes to draft season, it's, it's important that the Lions figure out that that right guard position. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying it won't be Soresdale, but but if the Lions call out uh, the name of a, like, think Graham Barton from Duke, right? Um Somebody like that, where where if they call his name in round one, you totally understand it. Like it's very, very important to both their quarterback and their offense to to get that sort of resolved. Yeah. Um, you know, you're gonna have to pay Sewell <laughs> whatever he yeah. wants. You know. Um, but no, I you know, uh, nine and three, really interesting game. Um, they came out hot. And then it, it, then they and then it dried up, but they still had enough. You know, they had enough r- playmaking. Laporta gets open and goes for like fifty yards. You know, down the field, and just awesome. It was you know, it it's just it's it's a great thing to to be. You know, you got me laughing about what <laughs> you mentioned, Graham Barton, and this just takes me back to almost ten years ago when in twenty fourteen twenty fourteen we went. 10 and 6 or 11 and 5 and we had a a high draft or a low draft pick like the 25th pick or whatever kind of trending in this direction and we, I know who you're going to I know we took gonna... a duke guard Lincoln yeah. Tomlinson <laughs> Tomlinson yeah and he ended up being a really good player just not here yeah he, he didn't work out here but he ended up he's he's a stud uh when he was in San Francisco and yeah. I think he's I think he's with um I don't the know Jets, I think right Yes, the Jets. He's with the Jets. So, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think, I think it's, it's important, and I, I'm excited to, you know, eventually get there uh, with the mock draft exercises, which we'll do, and we'll do oh, yeah. the draft stuff. It, it's yeah. exciting, but for now, let's just enjoy this ride. Nine and three football team going to, going to Chicago Soldier Field, um, searching for the tenth win. You got me worried about it now. Well, I, I, you know, I'm not saying we should be worried. It's just uh, Chicago s- it just seems to give the Lions fits a little bit. Um, Justin Fields does for sure. And with the weather and the injuries, I'm just a little bit, you know, I'm a little 
concerned about it, but still like thinking about thinking about being, you know, get, getting out of this game if they win and they're 10 and three, it's like, man, you know, it's great. I mean, it, you know, what would they're, be they're really good place. Yeah, what would right. be great is just winning the next three and and getting to 12 wins as you go to Dallas. And if that game kind of gets crazy at some point and you end up having to chase points or something is, you know, just not moving. Yeah. Get the starters out and just play for another day and play for the following week, uh, you know, the, the last week of the year against Minnesota at home. And, and by that point, if they win the next three, they win the division. So yes. it's like, just win the next three. That should be yeah. the goal, one at a time. Um, going in, I've, I've going in the show tonight. I felt good. You got me a little worried, but I, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be on the wagon, and I'm going to feel no good. reason to be worried. I'm just, you know, it'll be. It's going to be a really interesting game. Yeah, and it's not going to be a cakewalk. It's you know, I think when you look back a couple weeks ago where they were, if you look ahead at the schedule, you're like, man, after the bye, we got this team, this team, this team. You know. Yeah, and I'll be honest. I I just wonder if Chicago, if those players even want to play for that coach. He's on the hot seat with the four and eight record. Like, wouldn't surprise me if those guys make the business decision and are like, I don't want to play for this guy anymore. I'm shutting it down. <laughs> if you feel like that that he's got to be going going on, you know, yeah, like moving yeah. on for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it'll be interesting. I mean, but that'd be great if they decided they just didn't want to have their best day. <laughs> I'm cool with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, look, I would love a, a twenty to seven win or a twenty four to ten win or wh whatever it is. I'll take it. You know, just yep. just win. That's all I'm asking yep. for, and and we'll figure it out from there. Because I do think the best football is to come for this football team, and it's going to come at the right time, unless they completely fall apart. But I don't see that happening. It just doesn't feel like that. No, it doesn't. And you know, like we talked about last week, you know, being in a in a bit of a what you would consider maybe you know a little a little slumpy kind of a, you know, vibe. Mm. And then to come out the way they did on offense and look the way they did as hot as they did, you know, there's a statement there. So, you know, maybe they're, they're trending back up and, and, you know, just, I mean, the, the Ali McNeil injury sucks. Um, injuries suck. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's a bummer that it's, ha you know, all these injuries are happening, but this year feels like it's been a minefield for injuries for, you know, just about everybody. But yeah, um, you know, I mean, it just, you hope that the offense has a good day and, and, and they can kind of force fields to beat them in ways in which he doesn't. And then, you know, you'll, you'd, you'd be okay. It's just, we'll see, we'll see how that looks on Sunday. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm, I think everybody's going to pretty much agree with us. And if, if you don't, if you feel like we're going to win, we're going to lose, whatever, let us know in the comments below right here on the Detroit Lions podcast on YouTube. Um, and again, Rate, review, and subscribe to the show here on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast platforms. And of course, follow us on Twitter, X, whatever it is, at RussNFL Draft, at Bischoff underscore Scott. Um, you got anything else for me, my man? This was a great yeah. show. I'm glad we got to We're do good. it. Good. Awesome. Fun. Well, he's Scott Bischoff. I'm Russ Brown. This is Bischoff and Brown right here on the Detroit Lions podcast. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes! You've had enough of that shit.